Hey everyone, welcome back to View from the Mount, where we look at real life issues through a biblical lens. It's been a little while since our last episode, but we are back in business here and we will be putting out new episodes on the first and third Mondays of the month. Really appreciate everyone who's listened and given us feedback and encouragement, and we're looking forward to getting back to it. So I'm here as always with Jason Cole, and I think we're going to be talking about the issue of Christian accountability today. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Uh, This is one of those things that, you know, right off the bat, I'm guessing there's some recoil because the idea immediately brings into mind us prying too deeply into people's private lives. Yeah, and people really have this this idea, especially in America, I think of like, well, you do you and I'll do me and nothing I do is any of your business and vice versa. And maybe the worst thing that you, you can do, the biggest sin out there today is to suggest that maybe you're judging someone or suggesting anything they've done is wrong in any way. Right, so... We do want to define our terms, and I hope as we go along that what we're talking about and what we mean by accountability becomes clear, kind of clear up some of the misconceptions, and hopefully that we can be on the same page because I believe this is biblical, I believe it's important, uh, but I, I also believe that it's unpopular and uncommon. I agree. And and also, just to kind of quick disclaimer, uh, what we are not talking about is the church sort of holding the world accountable. I think that's a separate conversation. We ought to be able to point out sin because that that teaches people the necessity of the gospel. But what we're talking about is holding fellow Christians accountable for living up to that standard of, of Christ. Yeah, and, and we're not talking about punitive uh, punishment for something that someone does. We're not talking about like a cultish right. type of, hey, you did this, now you're going to have to say 50 Hail Marys or something like that. Yeah. We're talking about something that's mutually beneficial mm-hmm. uh, for our walk. And, and I like the idea of accountability is that I'm holding you, you're holding me accountable for a commitment that I already made to stay faithful to Jesus for my life. And so we're helping one another along with that. Yeah. And I think there's a weird thing in the church where people kind of become Christians, but then there's this thought that well, they're just going to kind of move forward at their own pace and no one's ever going to push them harder or point out where they're making a misstep. And I think just about any organization that we would join anywhere would have a standard they'd expect us to hold to. And and they'd point out if we weren't meeting that. And so I think the church should be no different than that. In fact, I think that it's even more important that we we rise to that standard and hold each other to that standard. Let me give two disclaimers, you know, just kind of as we go is one is I've tried this to varying levels personally mm-hmm. with people in the church. And, and I understand like I'm the preacher of the church. So me going to someone and bringing up something that someone's done publicly or that I know that they've done, it, it, it's not always met well. So the, the first disclaimer is that I haven't had a lot of success uh, yeah. with it. I mean, it, it has not rubbed people the right way when I've tried to dive into personal private matters. A lot of times that's because they're already defensive about what they want to do. And and the other disclaimer is a lot of times what I've seen happen is we don't find out about people's sin until like it hits the fan. Yeah. You know, somebody's come forward invitation because they're in an adulterous situation when ideally we would have dealt with that through accountability, through encouragement, through exhortation when that was a lustful thought or or a temptation before it ever manifests itself into a full-blown uh, sin that's now destructive of multiple relationships, including our relationship with God. So uh, I've not had great success. So what I'm talking about today, what we're talking about is the ideal. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so we're going to kind of get into, you know, how we ought to approach these issues. If you have a brother or a sister in the church who has fallen into a sin or is stumbling or having a difficult time, how, how should we be going to them and what sort of spirit, yeah. how do we approach that? And then on the opposite end, when you're the one who's been called out on something that you've done, that you're in the wrong, you're clearly not, not living up to that scriptural example. Um, how should we take that instruction? Yeah, that's good, Matt. And I think that's one of the things uh, that's a part of this conversation is how sensitive we as a culture have become. So, you know, maybe one of the things that we need to, as Christians, prepare ourselves for is not to be so sensitive, to be uh, inward looking. So you bring up something in my life rather than just getting mad at you for it. Maybe there's a, a truth to it that I might need to consider. And David is the perfect example of that with Nathan. Mm -hmm. Of course, his sin was full-blown. Uh, it had blown out of proportion. You know, it was a major deal by then. What he had committed adultery, he had lied, he had planned and plotted a murder. But one of the things that's revealing of David's character that shows he was a man after God's own heart is uh, he's confronted boldly by the prophet Nathan, and yet he took it. He did. And I think it's also worth pointing out that at the end of Nathan confronting him, uh, David was hit hard by that realization. You know, we can be in full-blown sin and, and still have fooled ourselves into not realizing it or not seeing it. And so I think sometimes we see another Christian and they're really, really just kind of out in left field. They're getting it wrong. And we just assume, well, that's obvious. They know what they're doing. I don't right. need to say anything. And that might not be true. Maybe they just need that reality check. Absolutely. So, Matt, kind of really to dive in a little bit deeper, what what level does this get to? I mean, if I'm a, a Christian, you're my brother in Christ, what level of your life should I be involved with holding you accountable for? I mean, should it be that you slipped up, that you posted something on Facebook that you shouldn't have, or should it be only with things that are deeper? Uh, at what level is it uh, not appropriate for me to be diving into your life, and what level is it? I guess maybe that could be decided naturally sort of based on your relationship. What level of your life are you allowing me into and on a regular basis? What do we talk yeah. about when we're alone? What, what, what do I come to you for advice about and vice versa? So there needs to be rapport. Sure. And I, and I think that that, that need uh, becomes less and less the more public something gets. So if I'm putting something out on Facebook, that's for everyone's consumption. And therefore, really anyone in the church could come to me and say, hey, I saw this on Facebook. I don't know about that. Uh, when you get to something really personal and deep in my life, it follows that the people who are closest right. to me are the ones who are going to know about that first. Right. So if you've come to me and confided a struggle uh, with me and I, it, it's not inappropriate, it's not wrong right. for me to occasionally ask you, how are you doing with that? Mm -hmm. Now, the level of honesty that you give, the level, level of transparency that you give, that's going to determine if this works or not for sure. your advantage, you know, if you're not honest, then this is a, a, a sham and a waste. So I, I think we need those type of relationships one-on-one -on -one, uh, that we do confide deep level of struggle with people, mm -hmm. but that can't just be about uh, telling people because our goal is not to report our sin and struggle to people. Our goal is maturity. Sure. Absolutely. And, and so, but if you don't, if you don't let me into your life, I can't do certain things. I can't hold you accountable for things that I don't know are there. Yeah. And I think it just has to be done in a loving way. And so, Jason, why do you think this is super important? I mean, why doesn't the church sort of go the direction of society at this point and just say, right. hey, you do you, I'll do me. We're just going to love each other no matter what, and we'll all do our very best. Why do we hold to this 
standard of, no, we're going to hold each other accountable. Yeah. Well, one, one reason is the Bible describes the church as being a body. Mm -hmm. And so what you do in your own life is not just your private personal life. It's connected to, to the Lord's church, to one another. Mm -hmm. And so what you do or don't do in your walk with the Lord affects the whole. And, and so that's part of it. But I don't think it's a new thing, Matt, that people are uh, bothered by this. We go all the way back to the garden, right, with Cain yeah. and Abel. And Cain's confronted, uh, you know, where's your brother? And he says, am I my brother's keeper? Yeah. He expected a no answer. But the real answer was, yes, yes, yeah. you are your brother's keeper. And so I'm your keeper. You're my keeper to a degree. And we are the Lord's church. And I think that really nicely covers kind of both angles, because as a body, yes, what you do affects me. And so I got to look out for myself mm -hmm. and the rest of the church. But then also I'm supposed to be my brother's keeper. So I should, even if it literally only affects you and hurts you, I should care about that. Yeah. And, and when I'm guilty and unrepentant, I'm going to be defensive. Mm -hmm. And so uh, right off the bat, if you're like, hey, Jason, you shouldn't have done that, or I love you, man, let me help you along. Is this really the best decision? Uh, my defensiveness probably is an indicator of whether or not I'm repentant. Now, I'd say there's been times I someone's brought something to my attention that I've done, and my immediate reaction has not been best. Yeah, uh, I hope my long-term reaction has been uh, better as I prayed about it, searched my own heart. Uh, I, I hope over the long term that I evaluated fairly and honestly. But, man, my knee-jerk reaction to that type of confrontation, loving confrontation, has not always been the best. Yeah, and I can I can agree with that and say probably the same thing. And just like you're saying, hopefully as I go along and I think back on that, I will come to a better conclusion, um, especially given the fact that if someone cared enough to, to tell me about something that I'm right. in the wrong about, they had to have known what my reaction was going to be, and, but they cared enough to, to confront that anyway. And this doesn't have to be over everything. Sure. You know, I'm not your conscience. No. And, and, and it's not fair, you know, like, man, I've made, I've done some dumb things. Right. And I, I beat myself up for those sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so like right off the bat, I've said something inappropriate. I've crossed the line, uh, whatever else it might be. I oftentimes don't need someone to say anything about that because I'm dealing with it in my own. Uh, and, and so there, ha there has to be this idea of one is it might be something we're ignorant of. I didn't know that that was wrong. Yeah. Or second, I am uh, oblivious to it in the sense that I'm, I'm just rushing headlong into something. Uh, you know, I've been overtaken by something. I've mm. been trapped by something. And so I don't think it means that we, can, we have to confront and crush someone. No. And I don't think it means that we have to deal with every mistake that someone makes. Now, a public thing like, man, if I posted something with bad language on Facebook, that's public. It should not, it's not unloving for someone to come to me and say, hey, did you realize the implications of what? That's right. not unloving or unkind. I put that out there publicly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, th I think that allowing someone the space to work those small things out on their own is part of the growing process. If, if you and I are lifting weights together and I'm spotting you, I'm not going to take the weight off of you every time you try to lift it. I'm going to wait until you get in over your head before I would step in and, and help Yeah, um, because that's how you're going to get stronger. And this is very similar to that. So yeah, we absolutely don't want to encourage anyone to just hang over everyone else's heads and, and jump on their every misstep. But these are about things that are kind of a continued 
pattern for a person, whether they're doing the same thing over and over or whether it's maybe one ignorant, continuous maybe ignorantly, sin. Maybe, maybe it's a new Christian that just didn't know. I've, I've dealt with this with the issue like of giving, people not knowing mm-hmm. that giving was one a blessing or an expectation of a follower of Christ. And uh, I, I don't think it's okay just to assume that they're going to get it, just to assume that yeah. they're going to one day put together. They might need an exhortation. Mm-hmm. They might need someone to hold them accountable. Uh, to a degree on on something right. like that. And it could be something else where they've maybe they've rationalized that it's okay to drink socially, but the reality is that they're going out most weekends and tying one on publicly, right. you know, and, and that's a problem that, that needs confronting lovingly. Yeah. Or maybe it's just full blown willful sin. They've they've jumped into yeah. a, an extramarital affair and they're being stubborn about about not coming out of that. You know, those are the types of things that Need need accountability within the church. You know, and, and just because you kind of mentioned the, the idea, there's something to be said about the uh, tone and the and the motive of the accountability or what's I don't know what the word is. The one holding someone accountable. Yeah. Uh, there's something to be said about the tone that they bring because if we can be right and wrong at the same time, mm-hmm. I can be right in my position, I can be right in my desire to help you, but wrong in how I do it. Uh, and, and so if my motive is wrong. If it's to crush you, hurt you, win an argument, I'm wrong. If it's not loving and gentle and respectful, I'm wrong. Uh, so we ha- we should check ourselves. And that's, you know, Galatians 6 gives this picture of accountability, right? If someone who is caught is caught in sin, that's like they've uh, tripped up. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they've been caught in a trap of sin. Let him who is spiritual... Uh, confront him, but do so gently. And then it's just keeping an eye to themselves that they yeah. themselves might not be tempted. And so all, all those components, I think, are good principles for the one holding a person accountable. It's not just about the uh, sinner or the wrongdoer. It's also about the one bringing the confrontation. Yeah. And I think that there's sort of an escalating level of who should we be concerned for? And I think initially you see a brother or sister uh, caught up in a sin, your concern immediately is for that person. And so that should be your motivation. I'm going to step in because I, I'm, I care about them and I want I want to see them restored. And then at a certain level where they're not really taking that instruction, your concern rises the level and becomes, well, okay, well, now I'm concerned for the church. We've got someone who's in unrepentant sin that very often tempts others to do the same right. sort of thing because they're emboldened by that, or they might think it's all right because so-and-so is doing it. And then even beyond that, now we've got to be concerned for the lost because what's that do to the church's witness when they're like, well, I'm not going up to that church. I know so-and-so goes there and I know what they get up to. And so it really does have this sort of ripple effect yeah. when, when we don't confront this stuff at the source. Totally and, different tract. So like there's a tract of accountability, then there's the tract of church discipline and they intersect at some point, mm-hmm. uh, but they are, you know, a, biblical accountability will keep somebody from ever being in need of church discipline. It's right. one-on-one, it's private, it's not, uh, you know, brought before the church leadership, it's not something we're trying to shame people in, but when there's, when that's not dealt with, it could be to the level of, uh, that we follow principles of Matthew 18 or 1 Corinthians 5 mm-hmm. to deal with discipline. Yeah. And I think that, so that kind of brings us to like where the rubber meets the road on this. And so what do we as individual Christians, what ought we to do when we see someone stumbling? It's your friend in the church, you care about them. They've gotten themselves off track. And so how do we go about sort of broaching that without just causing damage? Like we want it to, 
we want it to be constructive. It might hurt, but we want it to be constructive. Right. And so how do we start that process? A lot of times what's happened with me and my experience is somebody's left the church mm-hmm. um, over it. You know, I've you know talked to somebody about something they're doing. And, and, and there's right away this tension within me. Like, I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't enjoy that type of confrontation. Yeah. Um, I don't think we should enjoy it. Uh, but man, I, I don't think that in most of those cases that the perception was I didn't care. I think it was like, all right, now I've been either caught. I don't want to stop. Uh, I'm going to leave because they're hot on my trail. And so a lot of the time I've seen someone leave. And, and the sad thing is a lot of times what happens is they leave and they go to another church yeah. where uh, that one, that accountability is not present uh, mm-hmm. or where, you know, whatever discipline might've been meted out is now, uh, distant in the past, and they're accepted uh, with that. You know, there's so many different options for people today. Yeah, and the and the church, you know, we we're not belonging to some overarching denominational, you know, conference or who, you know, some some overarching leadership. And so each of our churches being autonomous, someone could presumably hop from church to church to yeah. church and never really deal with their sin. Um, but the, but there is a reason even even in church discipline for withdrawing that fellowship. It's so that the person would be restored. Right. And so we don't want to see someone go down the road, not because we've lost a congregant or because, you know, it's kind of thumbing their nose at us in any way. It's because that person is avoiding being restored and coming out of that sin. Right. It's not well, helping the, them. The, the, the goal or the idea with some type of loving confrontation is that, that this is dealt with before it goes further. Mm-hmm. Right, it's somebody that we know might be struggling with pornography or lust that we confront them before it ends up in adultery, uh, and we want to confront that lovingly and help them because that's damaging them spiritually. One, but second, this is a road, this is a path that has a further destination, and you know we want to hold that accountable before it ever gets to the point of hey, let's get the elders in the church involved, let's get the congregation involved. Uh, that's not fun uh, to deal with on that on that level. No, I, I would imagine not. And so, how often do, would you say you've confronted something like this and it turned out well? The person takes it well, or at the very least, they take it under advisement and they sort of make a correction. Of course, is that a, is that a common reaction in today's? I, I don't church? think it's common. I I think people get upset uh, with it, and part of the problem might be that it's not normal and. Uh, Maybe some of those times it's because, you know, I as the preacher, I'm coming as the preacher, not as just, uh, you know, uh, their, their friend on, on, on their terms. And, and so, yeah, I, I'd say there's a lot of times where I've done it and it hadn't gone well. There have been times where someone has uh, accepted it and appreciated it. I think there's a mark of maturity in how we accept correction. Proverbs says, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. And uh, that's hard when it's, when it's real. Like that, that's easy in theory, hard in practice yeah. type thing. And so what do you think it is that causes people to really bridle at this? Do you think, do you think they resent the implication that they're in the wrong? Do yeah. you think it's that they don't want to stop doing what they might be doing? Yes, I mean, yes. what do you think the main thing is? There's shame. Here? There's got to be some shame, wouldn't you think? Like, yeah. man, I've been caught, I've been exposed, and I want to keep doing it. And, and usually it presents itself as like, man, stay out of my business. Stay right. out of my life. That's my person. Usually that's how it presents itself. I don't believe that that's the real uh, heart uh, there. I, I believe it's, um, 
you know, a stubborn refusal to, to listen. I believe it's embarrassment uh, and shame that's connected there. And, uh, you know, we do have to get over this idea that we are not our own. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to get over this idea that we're, that we think we're an island and I should never dive into your personal life. One of the things you hear, the terminology we hear is, well, I want to accept Jesus as my personal savior, right. as my personal Lord and savior. And what people more often than not mean is I want him to be my private one. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't you get involved in my personal walk and my personal spiritual journey. That's not how we grow. Yeah. And I think when we become a part of the church, we, we really are subjecting ourselves to that level of scrutiny. And that's a part of growing in Christ. And this notion, you know, that we would get upset with someone for, you know, invading our space or, or stepping over some line without ever acknowledging that, that it's our behavior that made that necessary. And, you know, that was uncomfortable for them to have to do that. Um, that's difficult. It really is. And, and I think really people don't understand how countercultural Christianity ought to be. I mean, it was countercultural when they started the whole thing, you know, back in 30 AD, it certainly should be countercultural. Now, if it isn't, we're not practicing biblical Christianity. We're yeah. just, it's just a cultural thing. That have you ever been on the other side of it? Have you ever had someone call you out on something that you said or did? You know something? It, it, it's interesting. I've, n- I've not really had somebody call me out on like a legitimate sin. I've had people call me out on silly things. And so it's almost like we don't see this unless it's over something small and petty. You know, I had someone give me a rough time once uh, coming off the stage because I hadn't dressed up enough for their, for their personal taste. And I had on a t-shirt and some jeans and they just sort of passive aggressively said, Hey, thanks for dressing up. Appreciate that. Um, Just little silly things like that. And like, so you've got people who will sort of call you out on something, you know, that's, that's not even a thing, but then the real deep stuff. Well, don't you think people don't don't want to even with that, there's a different way, you know, just, you brought that example up. I don't have a problem with, your attire, uh, you know. I mean, this has been years ago. I'm, ju- I'm just saying, like, suppose suppose that was an issue, and suppose you know, you know, you're in ministry, and say I took you aside and, and was able to say that in a different way. Hey, this might help you. This is good. This might be good advice. Now, I'm not, I'm not implying that that's a, that maybe not even a good example of that. But I think that you're right that some of these confrontations are over petty, silly. Uh, things and then it undermines the big stuff. Yeah, and I, maybe that comes down to maybe personalities. The people who are apt to confront you over something tend to be confrontational people. Right. They don't mind trampling your feelings and jumping on you about something silly. And Nor it, do they have the rapport with you, right. to speak into your life. And, and on the opposite end, you've got the people who care enough to really care about your character and your 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 walk with Christ are going to be much less likely to be willing to trample on your feelings, which is how we see. I mean, that is how we see this sort of thing, that you're being, you know, intrusive or or hurtful. And we're really not willing to look past that to the greater benefit. So, of, so of would that. it hurt? Would it hurt your relationship with a person if they confronted something that was legitimate, a character problem? Like if if someone came to you and said, "Hey, you know, I I love you, Matt. I care about you. I heard that you did this, or I saw that you did this." Um, would would that change the nature of your friendship with that person? And we're saying this is a legitimate. Yeah, complaint. Let's, let's say it's legit. No, I don't think it would. Like, like you said, I might, I might initially be upset for, for whatever reason, whether it's because I, you know, I knew it and don't want to stop or because I, I don't like seeing myself in that light. Um, I, I do like to think that I would come back. I, I hold friendships very highly up in importance. And so 
it takes a lot for me to drop someone as a friend. And at the very least, even if I came to the conclusion they were wrong, I would be able to see that they mm -hmm. came to me because they cared and they, and they, they were trying to help. Yeah, so, so may, maybe the lesson of the day is, man, some people, you know, first there's some things you shouldn't confront in mm -hmm. people. There are just difference in styles and preferences. Leave those alone. Right. Save, you know, save your credit to go and speak into someone's life for a different issue. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing is that, you know, we should never enjoy giving that conference. You know, I, there's no. nothing pleasurable about, about that. Uh, but it is loving, you know, if I, mm -hmm. if I care about you enough uh, to do that, I, you know, uh, to help you spiritually, to help you with what you've committed to doing already, this has to assume two people that are sold out to the Lordship of Christ. Yeah. And I think that uh, we need to sort of maybe talk about what sorts of things merit this level of, okay, I'm going to hold you accountable for this. Okay, well, let's say there's people in the, someone in the church that's uh, irregular in their attendance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, should somebody say something about that? Possibly if it's really somebody who's really close to them. But even then, I, I think it would be more an encouragement. It was really great to see you this week. Love to see you here, you know, well, does that, that kind of thing. Does that change anything? I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on the person. I, I, I would have, so. Well, is, don't we have to answer, is, is there a real spiritual peril there for that person? I mean, I, I, I'm not, this is such a broad example. It's hard to make that assessment. But do there, we think that if somebody is uh, attending services once a month, that man, it's either an indicator there's a problem or it is a problem yeah. uh, in itself. So if or I it's a precursor to a problem. Right. Yeah. If, if I believe this is a problem right. and I never say anything about it, either one, they don't know that it's wrong. They don't care that it's wrong or it is, you know, a precursor or indicator. Yeah. And uh, no, I would agree with that. And is that, and, and, and maybe there's a leadership thing there. Maybe there are elders that are shepherding and guiding and caring for people that can do that. Yeah. Uh, but there should also be Christian friends that are doing that. Yeah. And I think some, some teaching about why it's necessary to be here. It's not just about attendance. It's not about well, checking what about, the box. What about other things like, uh, like personal uh, devotion and prayer and Bible study time and um, giving and things like that? Obviously, like I don't go through our giving data, so I don't know who gives and who doesn't give right. at Lake Mount. I, I, I intentionally keep away from that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm guessing there's somebody that keeps our books that, that has some general idea of some of that. Um, is that. That's a spiritual issue. It is a spiritual issue. And I, I think all those things that you just mentioned are a part of our growth and development. And, and I know you've made the, the example more than once in, in different sermons about you know, if you've got a child and they're not meeting those growth markers at their doctor's appointments, and it's an indication something is wrong. And so, yeah, absolutely. If, if, if someone's not taking time for devotion and prayer in their personal life, sure, somebody should hold them accountable for that and encourage them to, to step it up in those areas and, and teach them why that's necessary. The, the giving is, is an interesting one because people are so very weird about money. And there's churches that have gotten this very wrong. You know, I, I talked to one individual who's whose church sent them a letter. They hadn't been to the place in two months, but they got a letter in the mail telling them they hadn't received a donation in mm -hmm. this many weeks and they really needed right. to write a check, basically, um, yeah, which is church, not, a, not a good way of I've dealing with that. I've seen churches send bills, you know, like, right. hey, I know you got a raise or I know you make this much. Here's your bill uh, for your tithe. And, and uh, that's not the biblical model either. No, and 
And I think that puts the focus all in the wrong place, you know, because the, the, very often the response is, you know, why does God need my money? And, the, and we realize the reality is God doesn't need your money. He's commanded that for a reason. The work of the church does cost something, but, but there's a blessing in that for you. You ought to be giving because there's a spiritual component to giving to God's kingdom, and you're missing out on that if you're well, don't, not, so, if you're not But don't you that. think, and I like that example of, you know, all these things can be indicators of a problem that already exists, mm-hmm. or, or you're right, there could be sometimes that's a precursor to a problem that's brewing. Yeah. And... Uh, those things aren't on an island. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't believe that that's on an island. It's just everything else is great, but this is not there. At the root, there's a heart issue mm-hmm. uh, or at, at the very least, a real misunderstanding of, yeah. of the blessing of generosity. Uh, and, man, I'm, if I don't say something at some point, then I'm causing someone to miss out on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now again, there can be a wrong way to say that and, and to do that. I, I found people don't get this, you know, because things like this are preached on mm-hmm. and they don't always translate to me personally. You know what I mean by that? Like they don't always get it how it applies to them. Right. They're the exception, not the, not the rule. Oh, sure. And, but when there's one-on-one accountability. So... You know, I, I think some of this has to be, I'm asking you to hold me accountable. I'm asking you to speak into my life. I'm yeah. asking you to step into my life. If I'm ever off uh, on something, if I ever do something that's not Christ-like, man, love me enough to say something to me. But don't you think that that there is an element of that in becoming a part of the church? Like, just yeah. by becoming a part of the body of Christ, you are asking people to do that, whether you realize it or not. Maybe we need to do a better job as the church of communicating that to people. Like, hey, you, you know, when you become a Christian, when you place your membership here, whatever, you know, you're submitting to the leadership, but you're also submitting to other Christians holding you accountable and you're expected to hold them accountable. I mean, we are the body of Christ. We all have to be doing our part here. Um, I say that a lot of time, you know, someone comes forward and invita- rededicating mm-hmm. or specifically repenting. I'll, I'll tell the congregation, you know, the part of this in, involves uh, not only your prayers for that person, but hold them accountable. Someone yeah. came forward because they're trying to, uh, they're, they're quitting drinking. Uh, man, you would not be a very kind, loving brother if you invite them somewhere to a party and serving them beer. Right. You know, and, and so part of that public acknowledgement of sin when I make that known to you is, all right, hold me accountable for it. Yeah, and and I think people maybe get that mixed up with forgiveness. You know, people, we want, we want to forgive and forget, and we want to totally forgive someone if, if they've misstepped and they've repented of that. But that doesn't mean never mention it ever again, because very likely that person needs well, that accountability. And, and maybe that drive, that'll drive people away from ever uh, wanting to confess or con- uh, publicly or to rededicate publicly. But I, I, I do think that when, some, when somebody publicly admits that they have the struggle, mm-hmm. I think part of what that involves is, Hold me accountable from doing it again. Yeah. And there's and there's a big difference between occasionally taking that person aside and asking how they're doing with that and just rubbing their nose in it. You know, yeah. remember that time you or let's not or, or treating them differently based on it. We definitely want we don't to, need to kick the, the broken. Right. You know, we, we, we want, we're not and accountability is not about kicking people when they're down. It's about giving them a hand up. No, it's all. Yeah, it's all about restoring that person. And even even when it comes down to church discipline, you know, you read in Corinthians about Paul 
instructing them to put the young man out of the church, that the whole point was that he would repent and be restored right. to fellowship. That was the end game. It was never, let's get rid of this guy. He's no good for the church. It was, let's do this even extreme thing if it means the restoration of him. Well, and, and, and I get that there's a sense in which people's sin is against us, but ultimately sins against God. Yeah. And sometimes we take too much offense at people's sins against God when when that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And I think we want to give people a loving hand up. And sometimes it's not even a matter of some blatant, high-handed, horrible sin. Sometimes it's a matter of what's wise yeah. and and what's prudent. You know, is hey, this is this is dangerous to forsake the assembly. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous to not be giving on a regular. You know, there's there are implications to that. And so we're just sharing Christian wisdom yeah, uh, and, and sometimes what accountability is. And maybe touching on that is a, a case where maybe there's no real sin happening, but there is an appearance of it, you know, where things look right. bad. There's a situation where it just doesn't look good from the outside looking in and they might not even be aware. I, I think it's important that we watch those appearances yeah. um, a, as Christians because we don't want the church to look bad as a result of our, of our conduct or our perceived conduct. And we've mentioned that We've each tried this with different people over the years, and it doesn't always turn out too well. And certainly it's easier to maybe go on the offensive when you're feeling defensive. And, and it's much easier than, than confronting your own stuff to say, well, they're just being mean to me and I'm being mistreated yeah. and kind of cast those people as the villain. And that is a risk that you take. I can't lie. I mean, we're calling fellow Christians to hold one another accountable. There is, there is the chance that you will do this and lose a friendship. Yeah. over it. There is a chance that you're going to spoil a relationship or cause a lot of blowback and a big headache. And then there's no real repentance, even at the end of all that, that doesn't make it the wrong thing to do. Yeah. You know, if you do what Christ has called you to do and someone reacts poorly to that, it's very easy to take some guilt on ourselves. You know, if I see someone leave the church and I, it's because I've called them out over something, I agonize over that. And, and we feel hurt over that and we feel some level of responsibility for it, but that can't we can't allow that to stop us from doing the correct thing. Well, I don't. I don't want to be a. Pu- I don't want to be the type of church. I don't want to be the type of preacher. I don't want to be the type of Christian that just glosses over any and everything and just hopes people get it together at some point in time in in, in their life. Right. And I I understand like the whole call of Jesus on our lives when you think about it, like even when he gave to the disciples or any that would follow him. You know, it's come follow me. Uh, it's a life of difficulty and hardship, certain death. Come follow me. You can be my disciples. Mm-hmm. And the call to being a Christian uh, is not necessarily an easy one. So there's a discomfort with this, but this is true community. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what what we're speaking of, it's true community that makes us better. It makes our community, Christian community, stronger, not weaker. It's a, um, a blessing. Account- real accountability working like it should is a blessing for yeah. Mutual, mutual blessing. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. I think we're so individualistic today and, and so self-sufficient, or we think we are, that that idea of, of community is just alien to a lot of people. But people want it. I, I, I mean, you'll, at least you'll hear uh, talk about it. I think people want camaraderie. They want to get along with others. They want to be surrounded with friends and good times and laughter. But when, when, when that comes to getting your toes stepped on, because what you're doing is out of sync with what you ought to be doing, then it's a whole other thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But, but it is kind of like one of the words that, you know, especially younger generations, they talk a lot about wanting community, wanting genuine community. And that type of community certainly mm-hmm. involves uh, a holding accountable or keeping sure. people's feet to the fire for what they've already. And, and that's what it is. 
we're holding people accountable for what they've already committed to do. Because ultimately, there is an accountability, you know, between us and God. You know, that that's where we're ultimately accountable. All right. So I always like to include some kind of practical, try this, go do this sort of thing in, in these discussions. And so someone's going to confront a fellow Christian about something. What, what, what is the, I mean, we've talked about there's a wrong way to frame that. How, how is a good way to address those sorts wow, of yeah. issues? You know, here, you know, some, some simple things that I think should be in the works before you ever have that conversation. One is there needs to be prayer. If you're not praying for somebody, don't confront them. Yeah, that's really good. And, and then I think there's this checking yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm never going to have my life all together. You know, so I understand when I point a finger at someone else, there's three more pointing back at me. Yeah. I, I understand that. But I, I do want to do what Galatians says. I do want to watch myself before I do that confrontation. Um, you know, am I confronting for some, someone for something that I am involved with myself? Uh, am I a hypocrite? Uh, and, and I want to make sure that that's the case. And, and am I the one to do it? Yeah, you know, I I might not have the rapport with you. I might not have earned the right to speak into your life. There might be someone better suited for that, and so I think there's that groundwork needs to be be laid of checking ourselves. You know, am I are my motives pure? Is my desire to is to help you to build you up? And that personal check, I think, needs to be at the start. Yeah, I know. I have one friend in particular who he tends to get away with with really being blunt with people about things, and it's because he so legitimately cares about about people, and they know that he cares about them. And so, I think really being loving and caring about it is it gives you some latitude mm-hmm. to really dive deep with somebody. And and I think you made a really excellent point about prayer and about different areas of our lives. I think that's something that we don't think about. You know, there might be an area where. I don't have a beam in my eye. You know, I've, God's helped me overcome one particular thing. And so I, I'm in a position now to help someone else who's struggling with it uh, versus another area of my life where I might just want to keep my mouth shut. Well, right? you, but that means you're coming to them not not because you're trying to stomp them, but because sure. you understand the struggle, Yeah. right? So you're not saying, I can't believe you would do something so awful. It's, man, I've been there. I understand. Let me help you. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there's a difference in that. Uh, attitude. Yeah. And and there's this biblical idea too, that, you know, the one who conceals a matter pursues love, right? We, we don't want to talk to somebody and, and confront them about something and then go tell nine other people, you know, what we talk to that person about. Absolutely. I would add that confidentiality with that. And and, and that's the respect for the other person. And, and, and there have been times when, you know, I've talked to another Christian and maybe we are kind of talking about a a third party where we're saying, you know, I've noticed so-and-so seems to be struggling with this. And it's sort of this mutual concern for that person. And we decide together, okay, I'm going to go and talk to them. And there is a difference between that and gossiping about a person. Yeah. I Um, think, I think there's a a loving, especially when what people do is public, mm -hmm. you know, there's so much of what we do that's public. It's not crazy for me to do something for everybody to see and then be surprised that somebody actually says something about it. Right. That's not absurd. All right. So we've kind of talked about, you know, the necessity to confront these different issues and to do that lovingly. So now you're on the other end of the of the stick, right? So you're oh, yeah. being confronted. How ought we to accept that? I mean, like, yeah, fine, we get mad initially, but it, I mean, is it ever acceptable to just say, well, you know, I'm being misunderstood here. I'll just trot off down the road to another church. I don't think leaving a church over a, over a loving confrontation is ever the right response. Mm-hmm. Over an angry 
false slanderous accusation. I can understand that those things are difficult, but the but the Bible always assumes reconciliation yeah. in these relationships. And then I think you have a matter of, hey, let's follow like Matthew 18. You've sinned against me. You've done something wrong to me. You made a false accusation against me. Uh, and, and I think those other reconciliation needs to happen. Running from that doesn't fix it. You know, so if I'm the one confronted and say you confront me about something that's not true, I need to tell you, you might ask me, did you do this or did you say this or are you struggling with that? And you might need to accept my my word on something mm-hmm. unless you have, like, unless you saw it. You know? Right. You know, again, you're not trying to cr- crush someone. So it's not like you're trying to win an argument for the sake of winning an argument. Yeah. But I... I, I would hope that when I'm confronted, if I'm wrong, that I would have the attitude, a, a good attitude uh, about it. I'm not saying I always would, uh, but I think that we prepare ahead of time. How do I? How would I deal with it if someone lovingly confronts me with something that I did wrong? How would? So, so is there something practical in terms of you know? It's easy to say, well, I hope I would react, but how how do you think we can guarantee that we react the appropriate way? I mean, is there a maybe responding to this sort of accountability might look the same as preparing to bring someone to that sort of accountability. I should pray about it. You know, my brother comes to me, he says, you know, I've noticed this about mm-hmm. your walk. I need to pray about that. And and then go, go and compare what you're doing to that biblical standard. Go to the scripture, find what right. they're saying and, and really be willing to do an honest assessment. You know, maybe you come out of the other end of that and you've given an honest look and you've prayed over it and you legitimately feel that they've gotten it wrong. And, and that's fine, but don't just reject what they're saying out of hand. I think we really need to scrutinize ourselves and find out. Because I know for me personally, if someone comes to me with that, with that sort of an issue, it's not enough for me to, to be convinced that they're wrong. I want to know why they thought that. I, I want to know what it is about the way I'm conducting myself that would lead well, them for to you, that is conclusion. It, is it not only is it right or wrong, but is this hurting my ministry? Is mm-hmm. this causing someone else to stumble? There's, there are other things to consider in, in, right. in that, you know, is this, uh, am I more effective for the gospel if I take heed of this? Am I respecting the weaker brother? Yeah. You know, all, all those things might be a part of the conversation. Now that's, you know, thinking, trying to think maturely about it. But, and even then, what if there is something that you never considered was wrong and I confront it, sin, yeah wrong and and I confront it and you're like man I never thought of that as wrong I'm sure. going to go back and study it and 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 scrutinize myself against that uh, I think that's a, a a good plan to try to do that yeah and I think if the church is operating like the church ought to operate this moves out of the the realm of the hypothetical and you can just make up your mind there is going to be a time when someone's going to have to come alongside you and and correct your stride yeah. you know I mean it, the, the scripture talks about as iron sharpens iron, that's not a gentle process. There's a clashing there. There's a, a grinding away of what's not needed to sharpen the edge. And I think as Christians, we ought to expect and anticipate that. And if no one's ever, ever bothered to correct me, I can't assume I've gotten it perfectly all along. Right. Or or, or you're covering up something so well, yeah. or you're not d- deep enough uh, involved into the body. Mm-hmm. You know, man, I, I you know, since I, We've gotten to know each other and be friends. We know each other. We probably started to pick up on one another's strengths and weaknesses, even character. You know, but that that's only done over time when yeah. you get to know me, and you know, as you get to know people and the real you shows for you, it's going to include some warts and blemishes. Mm-hmm. So ideally, as we step out of the world and into the kingdom, we should expect to find this culture where people are holding one another accountable. They're lifting each other up. For, for that for that encouragement and but that's that assuming and, all this has to assume we're seeking Jesus sure right like 
that I want to please the Lord with my life. I want to do what's right, you know, in my life. I'm I'm sold out. Uh, because if that's not there to fall back on, if there's no authority or substance to fall back on, this could be a difficult conversation. Well, and it's almost a pointless one. You know, if, if someone's not seeking Christ, what would be the purpose of making a correction? You know, I mean, that's the only thing that's to be gained from that. Correct. It's uncomfortable. And I guess I would say if, if you're not interested in seeking Jesus— I mean, there's other clubs you can join, right, that are much less restrictive. And, and there are and, other churches that people can go to and do go to where they can blend in yeah, uh, and just kind of go along for the ride without much involvement in their personal lives. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't want to be that kind of church. No. I, I, I want to be involved in people's lives. I want to, you know, challenge one another. But it, it is mutual. It's mutual. It's I'm not asking for a one-sided Thing where I go and confront, confront, confront. Man, I want to, if, if there's something off in me, mm-hmm. something that's hindering my ministry or my walk with the Lord, I want somebody to be able to say, it doesn't mean I'm going to love it. Yeah. I hate it. It hurts. It's painful. But it's, in terms of motivation, that almost comes first. You know, we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. That's what it's based on. I would want someone to tell me, I want to go to heaven. You know, I don't want to miss out on on everything that God is offering us because I've deluded myself or just lived an unrepentant sin. And I, I don't want to come to that that final day and and say, I did this and I did that. And he says, I never knew you. And right. so if someone loves me, I want them to correct me if I'm in the wrong. And so I can't do less for yeah. someone else, even though that might be uncomfortable. You know, and, and, and maybe one side of this kind of wrapping things up is there probably are people that, too, to be, uh, being an abrasive type, mm-hmm. probably should think twice about ever being the confronter. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, there, there's people I can think of if they came and said something to me. Now, regardless of they're right or wrong, it would just rub me the wrong way. Yeah. Um, probably because they would handle it the wrong way. And I've like you, I've had people jump on me for silly things. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had to brush off, forget about or think about, but it's probably also because of them. If they had a legit thing, I'm probably likely to treat it the same way. Yeah. And that's not, that's probably not right, but it's kind of a consequence of taking all their capital, you know, in our relationships, you know, when we spend time with people, invest with people, it's like putting money into an account. When we confront someone right or wrong, we're drawing out of that bank account. Yeah. And some people have nothing in the account. They're overdrawing uh, the account when they do that. And yeah. so make sure you got money in the account before yeah. you confront somebody. Absolutely. And we, we should have those loving, deep relationships because that puts us in a position to, to speak into people's lives. And so I think this is really an important issue. Um, and that's why we kind of took a little extra time with it today. Yes. Yeah, and so when we do that, you know, when, when we lovingly confront and speak to somebody about something, man, it's not a punishment. It's not angry. It shouldn't be angry. It's loving trying to help one another to live out our faith in Christ better. And if, if there's anything else perceived from that, we've done something wrong or, mm-hmm. or we've read it wrong. I think that's important. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's about all the time we have today to talk about this. So we will be back uh, two weeks from today with a new episode. I'm not exactly sure what it'll be, so I guess you'll be just as surprised as we are. Uh, We hope that you'll like and share and subscribe to the podcast. You can find it all over the place, iTunes. uh, It's on Audible now, YouTube, on our website. You can also check us out at lakemountchurchofchrist.org. There's some messages on there, uh, the ministries that we have here at Lake Mount, if you want to check any of that stuff out. Uh, Or you can find us on Facebook. Looking forward to hearing from everyone over the course of the next week. Give us your feedback, drop a comment, and we will see you next time.